Holly G with the Golf Insiders, and my guest today, our favorite, Bob Herrig from ESPN.com. <laughs> Who saw this coming, Bob? I know I was tuned in for the first two hours of the Waste Management on Sunday before I had to go do Super Bowl duties, and not a blip about Brooks Kepka. and then when I saw that he won, I was like, he's back! Where did Brooks come from? Yeah, I mean, I think he began the day five back, you know, and there were so many names up there. And you also had Jordan Spieth in the mix for the first time in forever. And it's just he kind of got lost. And let's be honest, did anybody really think he was ready to win a tournament after what he's been through? So, yeah, it was pretty wild. I mean, you know, they showed him here and there. And I don't look, I'm not knocking him. It's just, you know, Speak was in it. You know, obviously Xander was in it. Uh, James Hahn had taken the lead. You know, Brooks was kind of an afterthought. And all of a sudden he just kind of muscled his way up there and and he ends up, uh, he, he ends up, you know, prevailing. I mean, you know, like he ends up winning easily, actually, you know, the way he, uh, uh, you know, chipped in for Eagle there on the 17th. Yeah, that was a pretty impressive shot. He had another eagle, I believe, on number three. Uh, you got to love TPC Scottsdale. Um, and how refreshing. We talked about it last week to have fans. No, it wasn't, you know, the fans we're used to out there in Phoenix. But uh, it, it just felt so good. You could tell the players felt it too. But, uh, you know, Brooks had had this knee issue after the Tour Championship in 2019. He had some stem cell surgery, you mentioned, uh, in, in your column. And then um, he, he came back after six weeks, right? And then, he, and then he slipped when he was over in Korea before the end of the year in 2019? Correct, correct. And, and I think that ended up being you know, far worse than they let on, you know, because he, he wasn't able to play um, uh, at the President's Cup, and he had been scheduled to play the Hero also, which he didn't play. And then, you know, he, he didn't come back until the end of January. And I think in retrospect, it, it, it appears that he might have rushed back, might not have been ready. He seems like, from from what he has said, and from, from you know, just what you see in, in, in indications, um, you know, he was trying to tough, his, tough it out, you know, yeah. force his way through it. And I'm not sure he let it get, get better. You know, I mean, how, you know, his quotes were amazing when he said, you know, he was in excruciating pain at the memorial, which was in July, only a couple of weeks before the PGA Championship where he contended. And, but if you remember during the PGA, he had a couple of those times where his trainer had to come out. Yes. And he was, like, on the ground. And, yeah, and they were stretching you know, his hips. Yeah, you know, he didn't even qualify for the FedEx playoffs. You know, and then he shut it down, and he didn't play the U.S. Open. Um, so, I don't know. I guess maybe the rehab from between then and now has, has taken hold. Um, sounds like he's feeling better. Um, nobody's ever really gotten to the bottom of did you need surgery and just didn't do it, didn't want it? Um, so uh, it's, um, you know, but, hey, good for him. That was, that was some, I thought that was pretty impressive. 
uh, that he was able to pull that off. And, 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 you know, it was a great tournament. I mean, Jordan showed signs, obviously not a great Sunday. <clears throat> him and, you know, him and Xander both have, have some, have some issues to work through in their game. And it wasn't the same tournament, but Tony Finau too, you know, they, they're all having trouble closing the deal. Yeah, uh, 61 by Jordan on Saturday, and, you know, uh, we, we were feeling that magic, weren't we, Bob? It was like the, the Jordan of old, you know, drilling those putts in from everywhere. He's pointing at guys in the crowd, and, you know, you just you felt, the, you know, the players feeling a little bit of that energy, which was good to see. Yeah, and, and you know, I think what we saw is his, his driving is still a, a, an issue. It's really, really a struggle for him. Uh, he can't get it in play often enough. You know, very first hole he hit it right, you know, led to a bogey. Um, and, and, of course, you know, he just didn't have as many putts drop on Sunday. He had some chances, too, that didn't go in. Uh, but, you know, I give him credit. He's been really resilient. Um, kept a pretty good attitude during some really tough times. I mean, to go from where he was to 90th in the world without being injured and without missing time, you know, that just means you just played a lot of bad golf. Yeah, and uh, probably had to um, listen to a lot of uh, motivational <laughs> um, podcasts, Bob. I mean, uh, you know that's that's tough stuff. I mean, at least in well, in Brooks's case, it was it was an injury. But even you know he said, and you know in these moments, I, I think Brooks is is pretty authentic. He said he went to some really dark places. You know, just feeling like his knee wasn't right. You know, wasn't able to swing the club the way he knew he was capable of doing, and um, you know that he just couldn't swing the club like he wanted to. And that's got a really you know, rock a player's confidence. No question, you know, and I think we saw it, you know, he just didn't have it. Uh, uh, and, you know, look, it, bad habits creep in if you're hurting, if you're favoring something, it's just inevitable. You don't even realize it. And it's one of the reasons why, you know, guys have this, have to weigh this, you know, do you fight through an injury or do you let it heal? So, so it doesn't get worse or so that maybe you don't start to develop some habits that uh, that make your game worse. You know, I, I think, you know, I think, you know, we've talked about this many times, but I think that that certainly has been the case with Tiger at times. You know, you're compensating, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, we didn't know it two years ago, but he, he had a knee problem for, you know, the second half of the year. And we wondered why he was struggling. Well, you know, his knee was bothering him. Made it hard for him to swing properly, you know. And so it's the same with Brooks. Pretty important component, you know, to, to the golf swing. So, Well, you said, I miss, miss that pressure. I miss the atmosphere, the fans. My best results come with fans, so I'm excited to have them back. And it, it really felt great to, uh, you know, see see the fans out on the course and uh, TPC is such you know such a fun tournament to watch especially so much that can happen on that back nine at one point 10 players were within one or two shots of the lead you know around the middle of the back nine Bob and you know you've got several uh, of the holes that are you know 
potential eagle holes. You got, you know, 17 that, speaking of going in the water, Speed hits this bomber of a drive that comes up the right side and probably rolls 50 feet across the green into the water. You know, that's uh, that creates a little drama. Yeah, there's there's no question um, that uh, that having the fans really, I thought, made a difference. You could hear it watching the broadcast. Um, it was probably less apparent to the players. You know, they heard noise, but not as much as they're used to. But just to watch, you could hear it. And I, I think that made a huge difference. And from what I saw, it looked like they did a really good job. You know, um, look, it can't be fun to be wearing a mask outside, uh, but most people were. Um, you know, they might have had some distancing issues, but again, they're outside. Looked like they were trying, um, and I think they gave a lot of tournaments a blueprint. You know how how we can do this here over the next six months while we're still dealing with this. How can we get people in there, do it the right way, and and have it be safe? You know, and I I think we are so ready for that. I mean, you know, the week before at Torrey Pines, that Sunday was, you know, it was I don't want to say it was dreadful, but it was just. Uh, it was just hard to watch. There's no vibe. Yeah. You know, and I think we're going to see some of that this weekend too. And, and, and next week at Riviera when there's no fans. You know, when, when they come to Florida, kind of starting at Bay Hill, the players are going to see more people. Um, I hope they do it right so that there's no issues. But, man, that's going to be a lot nicer. And I think the players are really going to appreciate it. Well, before we move on and, and talk about Pebble Beach, which will be uh, starting tomorrow, uh, Steve Stricker, Ryder Cup captain, 53 years old, time for fourth. Go, Steve. Yeah, you know, and he would have been the oldest winner ever in PJ Tour history if he had pulled it off. Um, and he doesn't seem like he's the type of guy who would be the oldest winner in PJ Tour history. He just, he just doesn't seem like he's playing um, like someone who's that old. And I don't mean, you know, certainly older than the guys he's competing against. You know, he had to play with Xander on Saturday, and, he, you know, Xander's going to bomb it way by him. And uh, I believe he played with Brooks on Sunday. He did. You know, so he so he got a good up-close look at some of the guys who are going to play for him. And, you know, I just wrote a little item on it this week, but, you know, like, what, what more respect can you get from your players than to play against them and beat them? You know, now look, he didn't beat Brooks, uh, but he beat a lot of guys. He sure did. You know, and, uh, and it's pretty impressive. You know, granted, maybe, you know, it's, he needs certain courses, but uh, I think it's um, I think it's a great, you know, tribute to him. And uh, he feels like, he, you know, he was going to be on more of the Champions Tour this year after the Ryder Cup. Since it got postponed, he feels this need to have to play out there. And, uh I, uh, you know, I'm not sure that he really wants to. I think he, I think he feels it's hard for him to be competitive now. But that was a great, that was a great job by him. Yeah, really was. Um, and you mentioned it earlier, Dustin Johnson winning in Saudi Arabia, um, but DJ withdrawing from Pebble Beach uh, decided to take the week off, uh, given that there's. Um, you know, the WGC event and uh, 
Riviera coming up in the next two weeks. Yeah, you know, I, DJ, um, he's, I see where he's taking a little bit of grief for pulling out this week. Um, you know, certainly on the heels of an event like Saudi Arabia that's controversial, I get that. But the other side of it is, is he's played that event like every year for 12 straight years. This is the first time he's skipping uh, since like 2008. He won it nine and ten. He's played it every year since. You know, so I think a guy has a right to skip once in a while. He's supported it all that time, and uh, he likes the pro am part of it. There is no pro am this year, right? Um, and you know, like another subject that comes up a lot is there are a lot of good tournaments, big tournaments following. And you can't play him all. I mean, he wants to play Riviera. He's won there a couple times. Um, you know, then the following week is a world golf event. These guys don't skip those typically. Uh, you know, whether he plays Bay Hill or not, the following week is the players, and two weeks after that is the match play. You know, so there's just, uh, you know, only so many times you can play. You throw a Middle East trip into it, it makes it kind of easy to see why he might be running out of gas. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think he's gone, is this correct, Bob? Four wins in three seconds in his last nine events? Yeah. Um, you know, obviously the Masters and the Tour Championship was a win, although he didn't have the lowest score that week, um, which is one of those things that's difficult, I think, to – you know, that's the problem with that format. Right. You know, like, he didn't really win the week, but we call it a win. Um, but, yeah, you know, in a couple of weeks before that, he had won Boston, and he finished second in Chicago. Yeah. And after coming off the COVID thing, he, he was sixth at the U.S. Open, and then coming, you know, he had he missed a couple tournaments due to COVID, and then he was second in Houston the week before the Masters. So, yeah, he's on an incredible run. And, you know, he said the other day, it was interesting, you know, he said, look, it's nice to get a, a, a win out of the way after winning the Masters. In other words, like, you know, how long is it going to be until the next one? You know, so so that that part is sort of gone, and now, you know, he's, he can freewheel it. You know, I'm sure he wants to win every time he plays, but uh, I have a feeling he's going to really put a lot of emphasis, emphasis on being ready for Augusta with his game at this level and with an opportunity to win it again. Absolutely. So um, the boys will be teeing it up at Pebble Beach tomorrow. Um, back in the day, it was called the Crosby Clam Bank for Bing Crosby. And um, no, no amateurs, no celebrities. This has always been a super special tournament. You know, uh, I don't know where we're, we're going to be without seeing uh, – you know, some of the celebrities like Bill Murray that we've gotten so used to seeing at this tournament. Yep. Uh, so, you know, definitely going to, it's going to have a different feel. And, um, you know, but like some of these events, we're going to get to probably feel like we're playing Pebble Beach uh, without the fans, Bob. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's some benefits to all of this stuff, I think. Uh, um you know, we're going to get to see Pebble Beach in a different way than you're normally used to seeing it. Um, and, and Spyglass, for that matter, uh, you know, on uh, on Thursday and Friday. And so I think that's 
you know, that's the benefit of it. I think you're going to see a much, much tougher golf courses because there's no amateurs. You know, they're, they're going to grow the rough a little more. The greens will be faster. Pin placements might be tougher. Uh, so you're going to, I think by the weekend, you might see a really stout test. Uh, you know, it's, they, they can't do that with the amateurs. They've, they've got to put the pins in the easier spots. They can't make the greens lightning faster. They'll never get done. So um, I think in that regard, that's good. But obviously, you know, the lifeblood of the event is that pro-am format. That's the way it has been back to the 1930s when it was played in Southern California. Uh, and um, and it, raises, know, it raises big money. Yeah, it really does. I mean, when you consider how much those people pay. So, uh, but again, this is, here we are, right? This is like, this is a week-to-week thing with all these tournaments trying to get by without being able to, to make any money, or hardly any money. Well, uh, some other big news that happened this week was that the PGA of America has okayed distance measuring devices for their championships, for the PGA Championship. And, um, you know, I would guess that would be the same for the women's as well. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a, a surprising move, I think. Um, there has been no clamor for that at the pro level. There really, there really hasn't been. You don't hear anybody say, "God, we, why can't we have those distance measuring devices on the tour?" Like nobody talks that way. Like no, they don't believe they're necessary in competition. Of course, these guys all use them during the practice rounds and to help um, confirm what they've got in their books. Uh, but um, I think it's suspect to suggest it's going to improve the pace of play. Uh, because as I've seen elsewhere, you know, these, the caddies say the last yardage they ask for or they, they look, they get is the one that's to the pin. The player wants to know how far is it to the front? How far is it from the front? How far is the pin on? Like they, you know, they take into consideration those things. Like they're not always just flying it right at the flag. You know, we want to know what the distance is to the pin just because that's that helps us frame how far it is and what we're going to hit. But we're just trying to get it on the green. Right. You know, those guys those guys are like, okay, well, I don't want to be in the back or I don't yep. want to be in the front. They're so precise. How much is it to carry the bunker? How much is it from the right edge? They're going to still have to have that information in the in the in the, the, in the you know the range finder, the distance measuring device doesn't really tell you that. You know, you've got to have that in your book. So you're going to have it in your book anyway, and then you're going to still use the range finder. And then, you know, well, what if it's a little bit off? You know, so uh, anyway, it's a uh, – I, I find it an interesting decision on their part. Um, uh, you know, the tour experimented with range finders on the Corn Ferry Tour for like a month a few years ago. They wanted to just see – and the, the – the, the conclusion they came to is that, you know, we just don't really think it helps that much and doesn't improve pace of play. And, you know, there's something to be said for the caddies and players who do their homework, are better positioned. You know, that's an advantage. That's part of the game. Right. Um, I'm not sure it's going to be a great look, you know, mm-hmm. seeing these guys out there with these things. I mean, look, I, I'm not, I don't want to trash it. I, I, I'm curious to see what comes of it. 
what their thinking is about it. They didn't really say a whole lot, um, but I, you know, my sense is is it's not really, um, it's it's not really something that was that that the people were talking about as something that was needed in the game. You know, I mean, rangefinders have been in the rule book since 2014, but there's always been the, the local rule which allows a committee to say you can't use them. And so, of course, every pro tour and every major championship has done that. Now these guys have gone, gone. You know, I don't want to say rogue, but they've gone on their own. Uh, but you know, the PGA of America, they do things a little bit differently than some of the others. You know, they 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 look at the rule book differently. They're the only major I know of that has ever played preferred lives. You never see that at the U.S. Open. You never see that at the Masters. You'd certainly never see it at the Open, where you know where, where they're going to lift clean the place. Right. They just don't do it. But yet you're allowed to, and, and there's a local rule that allows preferred lives given certain conditions. The tour uses it all the time as a matter of practicality. They 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 would have weeks where they couldn't finish on time if they said that you always had to play the ball down because you might have standing water, you might not have a place to drop. So, you know, the majors are willing to pull you in off the course uh, if that's the case, and they'll wait it out until, until the, but they're not going to let you touch the ball. But the PGA of America did that in 2016 at Baltusrol when it rained like crazy. They went to preferred lies. Nobody could ever think of a time when that had happened anywhere else in the major. And they also don't play the one ball rule uh, in their events which I've got a lot of players don't even realize. They are so conditioned to playing the same golf ball. And not even it's not, not the same brand, but the same ball. make. You know, like you can't play a Pro V1 on one hole and a Pro V1X on the next. It's got to be one or the other. For the entire round on tour, they have the one ball rule. Wow. So the PGA of America says you can play like we play. Like the rules of golf allow us to play with, you know, we change balls on every tee if we want. Right. You obviously got to play the same ball for the hole, but then you could switch. And their attitude is, is if there's some benefit you can find from switching balls and compressions or, or, or you know, characteristics, you know, more power to you. So that's their attitude, you know. So it's – it's, but it does kind of show you, like, how this, this road we could be going down if we're not careful about about the rules. Agreed. You know, because there's, those are things that are subtle – but, man, what if it got really different, like like with equipment? You know, what if the Masters said, we're going to make you play this certain ball that nobody else does? That that then becomes really dicey. It's a very, very interesting dilemma that, that the game faces. <laughs> as, as if it's not complicated enough, right, Bob? Um, exactly. <laughs> well, uh, that the, it was the PGA of America. They announced it on Tuesday, and they will allow them this year – for the PGA Championship, the Women's PGA Championship, and the Senior PGA Championship. So it's it's going to be very interesting. Um, Absolutely. All right. So beautiful Pebble Beach. Um, you know, Spyglass in the mix. They won't be playing Monterey, but, um, right. you know, it's, it's another spectacular golf course and golf tournament to watch on TV. Who are you picking, Bob, for Sunday? Well, look, I'll be honest. This, this to me, is a wide-open week. I mean, you know, this is an opportunity for somebody. They don't have the best field. They don't, I don't think they have a top-ten player. Um, 
I, I kind of like Patrick Cantlay. You know, he's overdue for another win. He knocks on the door a lot. But, you know, I, I think you could see a number of guys. Like, look, Nick Taylor won last year. Right, you know, by four shots, if anybody remembers. Yeah. yeah, not too many people were thinking about him at the time. And uh, so, um, anyway, it's uh, uh, it's a, uh, you know, I, I think this is a chance for somebody uh, that that's, uh, you know, that's not up there all the time. So Is Xander playing? Uh, uh, you know, I don't think he is. So, you know, I don't know. I don't think he is this week. And, um, you know, and like I was saying earlier, I, I think that the conditions have the, the, the chance to be really tough. You know, a lot tougher than we're used to seeing there. And uh, so I, I think, you know, you're going to see a score that's, you know, not quite as deep as usual. It's, you know, not the 18-20 under, 15 under, more around maybe 8-10-12. And, uh, I mean, Spyglass is usually tough always. Uh, and Pebble is the one where they can make some hay. But, you know, if they get any weather and they toughen that golf course, it, uh, it might be some pretty interesting viewing. Well, I got my pick. And he's somebody you and I have been talking about. Will Zalatoris, Bob, finished, Love it. finished tied for 17 at the Waste Management last week. Get this stat. It was his 17th top 20 in his last 19 starts, a run that dates back to the Corn Ferry Challenge to the TPC Sawgrass um, when uh, it resumed its season in 2020. Will Z, I like this guy. Yeah, been great. You know, it's crazy. <clears throat> you know, he has a hard time getting in tournaments because the way it works is it's not based on where he is in this He's like 23rd or 24th in FedEx Cup points as a non-member. Amazing. Or a special temporary member. But, of course, it's based on last season. And so he's only in these events through sponsor exemptions, which he can get unlimited now. And uh, it's finishing top 10, which gets you in the next open event. So he's well on his way to getting his card because he's going to be within the top 125. But, uh, you know, not, not every week is the end. So uh, it's a, uh, um, you know, it's a, it's an interesting road he's traveling, and, man, he just keeps producing. He sure does. So uh, we'll, we'll see our eyes on, uh, our eyes on Will Z in the Holly G camp. So uh, exciting weekend ahead. And uh, then one more tournament in L.A., and then back to Florida, Bob, and then we start the swing, the Florida swing. Can't wait. We're, uh, we're not too far away from Arnie's house in uh, the middle of March, so going to be a fun few weeks as we get ready for that. As always, Bob Herrig, ESPN.com. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you.